Hey guys, thank you so much for joining us for our launch podcast, our first ever episode of Untold Riches. We are super duper excited, that excited to have each and every one of you uh, as our audience, and we can't wait to bring on our first guest. So here on Untold Riches, as we've talked about before, we're going to be talking with people about what they do in their daily lives, what their journey has been like to get there, and how that affects not just their career, but also their greater personal lives and goal setting. Richard, uh, take it away from here. Tell us a little more about what we're hoping to do here today. Absolutely. So I'm co-host Richard Bridges. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm excited to be here with you guys. Like like Peyton said, we're going to try to keep the energy high the whole time. And we definitely picked the right guest for our first episode, which is going to be titled Experiences. So we've got the one and only Sabrina Orpeza, a dear friend of mine, uh, someone I've gotten to work with in a professional capacity and gotten to know in a personal capacity as well over the years. She's someone who's helped me with my own growth and development. And I know that every time I get with her in a social or professional capacity, I learn things. I'm inspired by her. Her stories are compelling. And she just seemed like the natural right fit for our very first episode. So we have Sabrina Orpeza with us today. And I'm very excited. There she is. Well, thank you guys so much for having me on. I'm super excited to just share a little bit about my journey and, um, you know, how I got to where I got and where I'm heading next. That's awesome. All right. Well, let's do start from the beginning. That seems natural, right? Let's start all the way at the beginning. You kind of tell us, you know, where you grew up, what kind of your experiences were growing up and, and how the, the child you evolved into the person that we're talking to today. Definitely, definitely. So I grew up in a suburb outside of Baltimore. So I was in Maryland and um, went to a little private school. Um, I had 140 people in my graduating class. So they all got to know each other pretty well. Um, but, you know, to that end, I was kind of in a little bubble uh, where I grew up. And, and one thing I always was seeking was learning from other people around me. And so I made it a point to spend a lot of time in the city, spend a lot of time at other schools and just trying to have as many experiences with as many people as I could. And so eventually I ended up in DC at American University. I was, uh, you know, trying to figure out what I wanted to do. I liked to write and I thought, okay, well, how can I make a career out of this? I guess I will do PR or marketing. So I kind of got into that industry and I, I always thought, you know, because I cared so much about people and their, their stories too, I always thought I wanted to work in some sort of human rights or nonprofit realm. And so when I was 17, I got an internship at a nonprofit organization and I realized I was not cut out for a nine to five desk job. (laughs) It was not cute. I was not thriving, Uh, could not help people because I could not help myself in that situation. (laughs) And that's when I kind of started learning about other industries where I wouldn't have to be behind a desk all the time. So I ended up meeting this woman in college and she did PR for some of the top restaurants in DC. And I just kept harassing her until she gave me a six month internship. So I started doing that and I crushed it so hard that she hired me on as a part-time employee at the end of my six month internship. And I realized that, you know, what I wanted to do, no matter what industry it was, is work with people and be around people and have those experiences, share those experiences, create those moments and be able to have them myself, but also help people while I'm doing it. You know, one of the things you just mentioned that kind of stuck to me, and I'd like to visit it in a little bit more in depth. I don't think everybody naturally from a young age aspires to do charitable work. A lot of times I think that's an evolution that you live and have life experiences and get to the point where you think to yourself, I'd like to give back now that I've learned. You wanted to do that at a young age. And even though circumstantially it did like the work, how you went about doing the job wasn't in alignment. How did you get interested in that at such a young age? Oh, I'm so glad you asked that. So I used to joke that I collect minorities in myself. So, (laughs) you know, I, I grew up, uh, Pakistani, my, my family's, um, from Pakistan. So I, I'm already the child of immigrants. I'm a woman. I'm queer. I, I just am like collecting all the minorities possible. And then on top of that, I'm kind of creative and off the cuff and a little bit irreverent. So right there, I don't fit in. And I'm in this private school where everyone is very similar. And so I'm looking around like, okay, well, I don't get, I don't get that. Uh, where can I find that? 
And I realized that actually, you know, we have so many parts of our identities that you don't have to find it from one group or one person. You can actually share that with many, many types of people and, and you can learn from walks of life that aren't the same as yours. So I, I had that instinct of, of seeking out a sense of belonging, but then I sort of got to this journey where I, I understood that you can get that from a lot of different people. And, and even if they're not like you, even if you don't belong to their group, you can get something from them and they can get something from you too. Yeah. Yeah. The, the impressive part is kind of a circle back to Richard is that is incredibly compelling, but even in spite of that, most people have to become sort of like morally bankrupt or something, you know, before they want to reach out to people just to kind of do good. Um, mm-hmm. Do you feel like, and I know in my own uh, career, I was, I wanted to be a teacher when I was younger. That was my aspiration. I wanted to teach music and for personal reasons, that wasn't the path I chose. And then around 30, I found real estate and discovered that like the part of myself that had lain dormant throughout my twenties uh, kind of woke up because that's my favorite thing is like getting to know people, guiding them through a process that I perceived as complex and having utility and usefulness and a, an important role in their lives. Um, do you find that real estate as you've grown into that role has allowed you to scratch that itch maybe as much or more than you expected? Uh, how did you come about that? Oh, absolutely. So, you know, prior to real estate, I, I thought that what I needed to do was a uh, work with a cause that had a direct correlation to helping people. So whether that was nonprofits or, or, you know, whatever, but I realized that if I'm able to channel that energy into work that is not only fulfilling to me, but also monetarily lucrative, then I can use that additional money and time to continue my efforts in a way that I have total control over. Mm. I, I know that Richard has heard me say this a hundred times. My dream is to be able to walk into a charity and write a million dollar check without having to think twice about it. That is my dream. When I think about why I do what I do, that is what I think of every single time. That's what keeps me going is being able to have that financial freedom to donate to the causes that I care about, but also donate my time to the causes that I care about. I remember the first time that we met and I asked you why you do what you do where you want to end up. And you told me that story, however many years ago it was at this time. I remember thinking to myself, it takes a special type of person who wants to work hard and build something and attain success by, you know, the standards of society to then just give it away. I don't think people are by and large wired that way. And I've always found that fascinating. And to be honest, I haven't felt that way. You know, I wanted to achieve goals and different things. And it certainly wasn't in an endeavor to give it all away. You know, for me, it was to keep it and provide it to my my kids and my wife and give them a better experience. But for you, what was impactful is knowing because of these experiences you had growing up that you could make such a big difference by giving that money to somebody else and by yeah. using that as the inspiration to grow. It's it's huge. And it's it's so inspiring for myself when I think about what I can accomplish with that. Um because at the end of the day, I don't need a whole lot. You know, I need my, my animals. I need some love in, I need food and, you know, go to a couple of concerts here and there. I don't need a lot, but there's so many people that need something. So if I can even give a little bit toward that, then, uh, you know, I will consider my existence on this earth, uh, worth it. <laughs> Sabrina, tell me a story where you changed someone's life or you at least made it better by being in it um, that really was fulfilling for you. Because you've touched on that before and it's something that you're chasing. And I know it isn't waiting until you write a million dollar check. I know you've already done that in people's lives. Tell me a story. The first one that comes to mind. Yeah. You know, actually, I'm thinking of a a very real estate specific story. Um, I got a lead from uh, my accountant. And he said, you know, this, this could be a difficult transaction because this client has been trying to purchase a home for three years. Mm. And so uh, I was introduced to this client and it was him, his wife, he had two small kids. He had been trying to purchase a home for three years. The first year he started looking and he's an immigrant and a business owner. So, you know, he's already got a couple of roadblocks in the way. The first year that he he went to look, they were connected with a realtor who said, oh, you don't need a pre-approval right now. We'll worry about that later. Got them under contract on a home. Turns out they didn't qualify for the loan, so they had to drop out. Second year, 
same thing, so sort of the same thing happens. A couple of other things were different. He was pre-approved, but at the end of the day, still couldn't get the loan. So then two years, two different houses, didn't work out. Third year, he gets introduced to me. I'm committed to helping this guy. Really, really sweet family, hardworking family. We are in a competitive situation. We absolutely max out on their budget but we weren't the highest offer and we still got them the house. Beautiful home, had a pool, great location. Everything's good. Three days before closing, I get a call from the lender saying, loan's not gonna go through. Stop. They're missing a tiny piece of information from the IRS. And this was during COVID of course, so there were crazy delays. So what we ended up doing is we, paid for one month of the seller's mortgage to extend closing a month. And I went down <laughs> and hand delivered a request to the IRS. And 22 days later, we were able to close. And I can't tell you how fulfilling of a transaction that was for me, N not just monetarily. At yeah. the end of the day, it didn't matter about the commission. It mattered that this family who has been working so hard to achieve this dream got to see that through. And I was a very small part in helping them do that. So you were a big part yeah. in helping them to do that. We are both also realtors and I, I consider myself a fairly compassionate and dedicated realtor. I've never driven to the IRS on purpose to, to, to help yes. myself or anybody else. That's, that's definitely above and beyond. That's Frankly, like, uh, I'm not, I avoid that like the plague. That's amazing. It was it was extra tough too because um, they speak Spanish and so their English is a little bit touch and go. So having them call the IRS while I'm on the other line translating to him, it was. <laughs> I mean, it was hilarious. Oh my gosh! It, frankly, what I want to know about what was it like to meet the IRS? Oh God, I'll never do it again. <laughs> Yeah. I'll never do it again. I'll that's stay a, far away. That's a story within a story right there. So that's yeah, all. no, it was it was madness. I didn't have to talk to anybody there, but you know, it anyone on the phone was always luck of the draw. Some days you got a really nice person, some days you got a can't help you click. Oh my gosh, that's rough. So let's go backward a little bit because you had mentioned, you know, we kind of we we jumped ahead and we kind of got, you know, your journey up to the nonprofit realizing just that that wasn't really what you wanted for your life journey, right? But you you basically strong armed this poor woman into letting you intern for her, and it ended up being a win, right? That's that's kind of what I heard. Where did things go from there? Yeah, so that really propelled me into the restaurant industry, and I got sucked in like many do. It's it's so fun working in restaurants or, or restaurant adjacent jobs, and so I ended up getting a job uh, doing marketing for a restaurant group in the city. And I ended up becoming their youngest marketing director. And that was a whirlwind, let me tell you. The, the thing that drew me to that restaurant group is that they were owned by a gay woman and they were also very, very involved in charitable work. That was sort of the cornerstone of their restaurants and, and a good portion of their profits went toward causes that many people cared about, including myself. They also through a lot of charity events, which was really nice to be involved with. Um, but I kind of got burnt out at restaurants. I, I mean, it's a chaotic industry. So naturally, I chose an even more chaotic industry to go into. <laughs> naturally. What, what would, uh, uh, what's one of the craziest stories you can think of from your time, like, a, or just a wild experience that you had when you were in that role? Because you're right, I have heard stories from others that have worked in the industry for a long time. And and there's just oh behind the scenes God. stuff that they are just tough yeah. to fathom. It and my was wife wild. was I, a bartender for like 11 years and being with her while she was a bartender, like, oh man, like suburban bartender, just like yeah. smoky bones and stuff, just finding yeah. random bullets in the bathroom, like <laughs> weird shit. So yeah, Madness. I'd love to hear your stories. Well, okay. So I, I don't want to say anything specific about that restaurant group, but I did have a job uh, in between the the PR group and this restaurant marketing job for a year. I, I worked with a startup that did Ted talk style events for chefs and bartenders. So basically anyone who wanted to enter 
the food and beverage industry, you know how you have culinary school for people who want to be a chef or you have hospitality school for people who want to go into management. There wasn't really anything for people who wanted to start their own food truck or open up a brick and mortar shop. So this startup company did educational events for um, people who wanted to enter FNB. So during that time, I was running their blog and they, God bless them, gave me so much room to play. And so one day we were all sitting around having drinks and we were next to a really popular strip club in the city. And we came up with this idea where I thought it would be really fun if we got, you know, Michelin star big name chefs and rented a car and had them review the food at all the strip clubs in the city. <laughs> That's genius. And so we get a limo and it's me, my boss and four of the biggest name chefs in the city. And we drive around to six different strip clubs and we try their signature item on each menu. All right. Well, you're going to have to tell us who won that competition because. Um, let me just say the Grecian steak at stadium club is pretty top notch. They get steaks right, right? It's weird. Yeah. It's always cooked to perfection. Really good kind of meat. I'm not mad at it. Oh, fascinating. I love Caesar it. Salad at Crystal city restaurant is mwah, both have been, it's mm. been many years, but yeah. Good to know. I might add yeah. that to the list next time. No, Nova, yeah. watch out. Super funny. So that's awesome. That's a, yeah, great, that was a great story. story. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad you shared that. What, where did, what was the inspiration for it? Just the proximity that you were like next what, door. Well, we were we were having drinks, and we thought, why don't we get something to eat? And so we were looking at restaurants nearby, and that strip club that we were next to that popped up, and I was like, there's no food there. <laughs> so when I clicked on it, I saw they had a full menu, and I thought wait a second, is there food at every strip club? And so I started Googling it. I thought, what is happening? <laughs> so that's, I, I that's how the, the idea was, uh, came to You're going to have a cool group of folks. <laughs> that's got to be um, a really cool I, group of I folks. Seriously, yeah. my boss there was and still is incredible. She was so fun. <laughs> that is, that is awesome. I, you know, I think of like our, our, our listeners or our audience is, is taking this information and is like, all right, I know I'm going to find the best spot with the chicken tennies and they're going to show up and they're going to be like, Hey, I'm, I'm here for the tenders. Like, let's just, let's just, extra let's just sauce. that's right. Oh, Do not ask for extra sauce at a strip club. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Choose your own adventure. Oh my God. Fair enough. I love it. So, all so right. Where did you go from there? Yeah. 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 So, so at the end of the restaurants, I was kind of ready for a factory hard reset and I just quit without knowing what I was going to do next. And in the meantime, I thought, okay, well, how can I help people during this sort of lull in my career using the skill set that I already have? And so obviously I leaned on marketing and I thought, who is underserved in the marketing sphere? And oftentimes that's small businesses that can't necessarily afford to pay you know, marketing companies, but they don't really know how to do it well themselves. And so I targeted a bunch of small businesses and offered really, really affordable marketing services for them. I had basic, basic packages and just helped them get things started. And I, I took on three month contracts for each business. I had about 12 clients when it was at its peak but I only really did that for six to eight months. So during that time, one of my clients was a multi-million dollar producing agent, real estate agent in DC. And so I, I learned a little bit about real estate and the back end while I was doing their marketing. And like every time I posted something, I just thought to myself, I think I could probably do the other side of this. And mm -hmm the team leader she kept encouraging me to get licensed she said even if you don't use it it'll be good for you to have yeah. and i did and i met someone at pearson smith realty and it just really tumbled into this madness that i'm in now i love it and what's your experience been like since you've been in it what are some things that you feel like you've taken away or learned as you've been growing and and just living this 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 new career 
Sure. You know, I think we learn a lot about ourselves when we run our own businesses. A lot, a lot of people don't realize that you're running your own business when you're in real estate, but right. you really are. You have to be, you know, motivating yourself. You have to be a self-starter. You have to find a structure that works for you and stick to it and treat it like a job and, and all of that. So I certainly learned a lot about my strengths and weaknesses during this process because I don't have anyone to blame except myself. And and on top of that, you know, the story that I shared earlier about that client who couldn't buy a house for three years and then we finally got him to the closing table. Those are the moments that make it worth it. You know, I, I made six figures in my first year, which is awesome. And of course, that was amazing for my lifestyle choices and the experiences that I can give myself and those around me. But the moments that I remember the most are those smiling faces at the closing table people who didn't think it was possible to buy a home and are now taking this huge step that's going to better their lives. Mm -hmm. When someone asks me a question that I learned five years ago when I was in real estate school and I get to answer that for them, that's exciting to me, yeah. is helping people learn more, understand more, and realize that the possibilities are endless. Mm -hmm. So one of my favorite parts about real estate is definitely the person-to-person -person connection that you start to form. Uh, just to share about myself, so I was really shy growing up and I'm not one to like, I, I like to communicate, but I got to have a reason to share whatever light I'm hiding and real estate provided me a platform so that I could connect with people in a really powerful way and make a, a strong impact and then impact my own life as well. Um, how do you feel like since you graduated into owning your own business and, you know, from the marketing and into real estate and seen that kind of grow, what other avenues of expression have you been able to kind of explore for yourself? How have you grown in other ways because of the empowerment it's given you? Yeah, it's given me the flexibility to have more time to do things. So, you know, I, I always thought I really want to volunteer at an animal shelter. And prior to being in real estate with a flexible schedule, I couldn't do that. Mm -hmm. Now I volunteer at the shelter once a week, uh, taking my dog out on hikes, uh, you know, being able to take weekend trips. I, I can do all of that stuff. Um, I can volunteer during the day, which is when they need the most help. Mm -hmm. uh, I can donate clothes and money, which, you know, previously I didn't have the disposable income to do. So these are all things that this industry has opened up for me in terms of giving back and not just monetarily, but with my time as well. Mm -hmm. I like it. I like it. So I have a few other questions that I think are like, I, I warn you on these. So I want to get just like your raw take on them. And it's more like specific experience related. Um, mm -hmm. But give me, give me a story Ooh. surrounding or an experience surrounding a moment where you felt incredibly proud of yourself. Every day I wake up, Richard. <laughs> Every day you wake up. Did it again. Yeah. yeah. I did it again. I get up, I make that bed, and I'm like, I've done it again. You've done it again. Um, you know, Britney Spears comes on the radio. Oops, I did it again. Starts playing. Yeah. You dance around your room. You're just wait a second. Have life. you been watching me every morning? This is getting weird. You can neither confirm nor deny. I will, I will share a personal, personal thing. So I uh, fell victim to a pandy divorce last year and i can't tell you how proud i was of myself after that because that was my biggest fear is being alone and doing things alone but here i am you know six months later with a thriving business uh, still a homeowner have my pets have great friendships and I didn't know that that was possible. So I would say I'm most proudest of that. That's, you know, it's interesting because I, I know you, uh, you know, a little bit. So I have some context here and, and, and being a sideline observer of your life is you attract people to you. And I think by and large, people might see you and perceive you to be someone. How could Sabrina be lonely? How could she feel alone? People want to be around her, right? You, you collect these people and you become their best friend like that. You're like one of my best friends. And it happened so quickly and so organically. So if somebody was feeling like they were alone or not in it, what's something, so what's some advice you would give to them, even in a dark moment that they could use to hang on and push through? I am so glad that you brought that up because for me, 
I learned this past year that there's a difference between being alone and being lonely. Mm. You know, being alone, you don't necessarily always have control over. People come and go, they're around you. Being lonely is something that you actually have ownership over. Because if you find a home within yourself, then you'll never need anyone else to find a home in. And so my advice would be to, to find peace within yourself and find a home within yourself to know that no matter how many people come and go or are around you, you will never be lonely because you have yourself and you have your values and you have your love and you have your spirit and no one can take that away from you. That, that speaks a lot directly to me. Um, I had an experience last year when I went out with some friends for a birthday party and the topic of going to a movie by yourself came up and we're going around and I like had very strong feelings about it immediately. So I shared them and those feelings are you murder people in your free time. If you go to movies by yourself, right? <laughs> that is, that is how I feel about it. What type of psychopath goes to a movie by themselves? Yeah, so it's my favorite that's thing. What I realized on. ten seconds later is that everybody else at the table is like, "No, no, no! You're the you're the weirdo. Like, <laughs> you don't go to the movies to entertain someone else, or that they have to be a part of your life experiences." And that actually opened the can of worms and therapy and my own life and analyzing things. And what you just said is so profound that touches on that experience for me because there is a difference between being alone and being lonely. And for me, there was no difference. For a lot of people, there isn't because we're not taught that you know we're taught that we need the external to make ourselves whole but if we are our whole selves then everything else is bonus bucks mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> you know we'll never be disappointed because we're so confident with what we have that all the other additional stuff will only enhance our life experiences it can never take away from it it can only make it better and you bring so much more to your relationships when you're a more fully formed person and you know yourself a little better and you're more comfortable in your own skin. It's difficult because like you said, from a young age, we're indoctrinated to learn and conform and get along and play nice and whatever. And I imagine my experience would differ vastly from yours and it could only, you know, whatever. Like, so yeah, being able to take ownership of yourself and as an individual and then share that with people. Do you feel as you've grown into, you know, your career and, and, and just grown that as you've embraced that and maybe passed your struggles over the last, you know, six months ago that you've been able to reinvent the way you approach the world and kind of bring something new? Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, it's been huge. So, you know, once I figured out that there is a difference between being alone and being lonely, uh, my relationships of all kinds are so much more fulfilling because I can not only show up for myself as my best self, but I can show up for others as my best self. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in fact, I think a lot about what I want for this year and mm -hmm. a word that keeps popping up is authenticity. Mm -hmm. And it kind of ties back to creating spaces and moments and, and safety, you know, I've noticed that when I am my most authentic self, no matter how vulnerable or difficult that may be, it actually gives permission to others for them to be their most authentic selves. Mm -hmm. And we are all human. We're messy. We miss deadlines. We make mistakes. Mm -hmm. It's okay. If you are showing up as your true self, giving the other person permission to do the same thing, then that is a really beautiful thing to me. Yeah. Isn't it crazy how the reciprocal honesty really does? I mean, more than any law of reciprocity, like if you can be present with a person and let them know that you're with them in the, in the moment, like you get so much more back. And instead of asking and feeling like you're a sponge that's drinking in what they're giving, you're like squeezing out your own sponge into that moment. It's incredible. And like you, it's just, you get so much deeper, so much faster by doing that. It's fantastic. It's oh, uh, absolutely. And and being a good listener too, you know, I've, I've had this help me in my career as well. I was on the phone with a listing agent the other day and I, I think I made a silly joke about myself and then I just sort of stopped and let him talk and he kept going and kept going. And, you know, a lot of people will try to fill the space if there's a, an awkward pause or a silence. Sometimes I just sit there and let that silence brew. So that happened on that phone call and all of a sudden you know, we're talking about this place that's listed at 
455 and he just keeps rambling and rambling and he goes oh you you know um uh, I, I think if there's a four in front of it that this seller's will accept it <laughs> so i just I let him negotiate against himself just by listening and, right. you know, letting him feel comfortable enough to share his thoughts with me. Yeah. So it, it can really be hu a huge change in your whole life if you just feel confident and comfortable with yourself and your true self and then be a little bit vulnerable and give people the permission to do the same thing. I think that's something that attracts a lot of people to you is you're very confident in who you are. And do you feel like that was something that you were kind of born in your experiences as a child? You were that way all along? Or do you feel like that was circumstantially, it was, it was part of your nurturing and how you grew up and the experiences you had? Because you come across as very confident in, in what you know. Not cocky ever, but very confident in, in that, you know, when you have something to say or something to offer that it has meaning. Well, thank you. You know, I, I mm -hmm. always cared very much about words. So when I do say something, it is thoughtful and I do mean what I say. And I grew up in, you know, my parents are extremely social. Mm -hmm. So we were going with them, my brother and I were going with them to events, sometimes two, three nights a week. And so we got very comfortable being around a lot of adults. <laughs> and through that, I think I just figured out how to speak to adults, which is with confidence and with meaning, because if you're a little kid around a bunch of 40 year olds, they're not gonna listen to you unless you're saying something that matters. Yeah, right. <laughs> and, and so this became a part of who I was. And so I do wanna say that I didn't always feel confident on the inside, but I knew how to present confidently. Mm -hmm. So cool. I've certainly along the years, maybe lost some of that, through insecurity, through life circumstances, but always drawing back to, okay, I can present this way so I know that it's in me and how do I bring it back out internally? Now, a lot of times people who are raised in that environment, I myself sort of parallel in some ways, honestly, um, can be performative. That your efforts to integrate with people, especially older people as a young child or as an adolescent, like you, you have to put together sort of a toolbox that you use and you draw from it. And then as you mature, they become more entrenched into who you are. And it's not something you're using anymore. It's, it becomes how you relate to the world. Would you say that that observation sort of mirrors your own experience or has it been more purely organic? Are there resources you've used to kind of learn strategic communication or how to relate to people? Or are you just the shining light that you were born to be? It's everybody comes at it differently. Wow. I mean, I would love to say I'm just the shining light that I've come to be, but <laughs> no, we all need a little bit of help sometimes. sometimes. I, I really, I really relate to that. And I'm so glad that you use the word integration because I think that's a huge part of it. Yeah. So, you know, first it was just performative. And, and I think that's why now I'm understanding that authenticity is so important. Mm -hmm. How do I integrate that skill set I have of appearing and seeming confident, but also be vulnerable and authentic? sharing that I do have struggles sometimes, you know, and we need to find a delicate balance to do that. Uh, therapy certainly helps. I am obsessed with my therapist. I think 100% of the world should be in therapy because our brains need help just as much as our bodies do. Absolutely. So that's been huge for me. And then also surrounding myself with people who also care about that. that's been huge. Yeah. Yeah. Who you, who, who you hang out with absolutely matters. Now you guys said a couple things. You use the word vulnerable. You use the word authenticity. You know, we've talked about some, some things you'd be confident in and, 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 and facing some things. Can you, can you tell us about a time where you maybe felt um, that you needed to be vulnerable and it was maybe easier to be disingenuous, like put on a, put on a face or a front where you, but you faced that fear, you were brave and you held true to being authentic. You know, do you have a situation that comes to mind or an experience where that happened? You know, I, I have actually wanted to get into real estate for years before I considered it really, but I was always so scared of sales <laughs> and that sort of roller coaster. Mm -hmm. Um, now I know I should have been scared of that. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so, so. I, I really had to put 
some of my ego aside, you know, I was in a very cushy job and I was salaried. I had benefits. I was, I was doing the thing, but I had to put some of my ego aside and say, Sabrina, it's okay to enter an industry where you might feel like an imposter at first and you might not know everything. Um, remember to ask questions, remember to lean on people and, you know, as long as you're honest and doing everything in your power to make things happen, the rest will fall into place. It does take a lot of courage to get into the real estate space uh, because it requires you to step away from security. You know, there's no guarantees in, in real estate um, and it requires you to be fully invested on betting on yourself. So confidence is key or faking it until you make it, I guess, is, is key, you know, but, but, you know, act it until you believe it. Um, and, and it does, it, it requires that de degree of, of fearlessness. So that's, that's awesome that you were able to kind of get to that place as, as quickly as you did, um, and, and make that jump into real estate. Well, Richard, you know, that I still struggle with it sometimes, you know, I, I talk about getting licensed in other States and every single time I stop myself, by Richard asks, well, why? Yeah. And it always comes down to, because I don't know anything. <laughs> and I'm scared of not knowing anything. <laughs> but, you know, when I, when I really break it down and think, okay, well, two years ago, I didn't know anything about real estate in Virginia either, but here I am very yeah. short, short time later, uh, being an industry expert. So it, okay, if six months, I feel like an idiot, whatever, I just tell my clients, hey, I just got licensed, but I've done this much stuff in other places. So we'll get there together. Yeah, it translates, you're going to do great. So in overcoming that, as you started your new career in real estate, and as you've grown into this new uh, person that you're growing into, uh, what would you say is some of the best advice you've been given in those moments of, of uncertainty that kind of helped you maybe accept the path you were on and, and progress on it more proactively? Yeah, don't be afraid to lean on those around you and, and don't be afraid to ask questions. Just don't be scared. You know, we can not accomplish everything that we're capable of if we live based on fear. And that can be applied to any part of your life, not just your career. So when you put that aside and instead look at everything around you as opportunity, man, I can't wait to talk to you in 90 days because your life is going to change. It does. Perspective is the biggest difference between people, I think, is just the frame of reference you have in a set of circumstances. I remember when I was getting into the business, I was very young and I had all of these limiting beliefs. I was 18. I didn't know anything. I barely graduated high school and it, I struggled, you know, failed the real estate test 14 times. So that wasn't a super confidence booster. And you know what I'm here and I'm trying to learn and I know nothing, right? I genuinely know nothing about it. I've never even like bought or sold my own home. A lot of real estate agents get into business and they've at least done that. So I have no experiences. And I remember being in the office and the one thing I wasn't afraid to do was to ask questions. And someone one time said, I was asking a question and then someone was like, Hey, I'm busy. And this person observed it. And I kind of walked away a little, little discouraged because I didn't want to bother them. But at the same time I had questions. And I remember that person taking me aside and goes, you ask questions until you get a door shut in your face and then you're done asking questions for the day. And I remember that and I did it. I did it all the time. Sometimes it didn't take long at all. Other times I'd be asking questions all day long, but you know, being fearless to the point where it was like, the only way I'm going to learn is if I put myself out there and I ask if I'm too afraid to ask for help, it's just making it that much longer before I get where I want to go. Have you guys heard of this concept of rejection therapy? No, I don't think it's a real psychological concept. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, cold calling. Yeah. yeah, I know that. Uh, no, it's this, it's this YouTube series that I watched a really long time ago, but it always stuck with me because this guy came up with a concept of rejection therapy, which meant he was going to ask for something could be anything as little as, Hey, can I have a free coffee or Hey, can I have your car? He was going to ask for something that he was most likely going to get rejected for yeah. once every single day for 30 days. And he encouraged people to do this because so often we don't ask for things because we stop ourselves from, mm -hmm. from the fear of being rejected. Yeah. And once you're able to 
get rejected that many times in a short period of time, you start to realize, oh, okay, actually the worst that can happen is this person can say no. And then no harm, no foul, you know? Mm -hmm. And and so I did this experiment with some of my friends and it was so eye-opening because, you know, we would ask for silly stuff uh, like, hey, can I get on the bus for free? Or, hey, can you buy me a coffee? But then sometimes we would get free stuff. I was, <laughs> I, I was in the line for groceries or something. And um, I leaned down and I said, hey, uh, so you guys have a, you guys still running that hot girl discount? And, and the, the, the manager was actually ringing me up and laughed so hard that he was like, yeah, I'm gonna take 10% off of your check because that's hilarious. <laughs> so sometimes we would actually get stuff that we yeah. asked for, uh, you know, an upgrade on a plane or a late yeah. checkout at a hotel. There's so many things, but you can use that in, in any aspect of your life. And I, I tell this to my clients too, when we're putting an offer together, if we're adding something kind of kooky, they're like, oh, do you think it'll get accepted? I say, well, I don't have a crystal ball, but what's the worst that'll happen? They say no. Mm-hmm. Okay. That is I my son. unless you try. <laughs> that, that is my son Jack's, like his life credo is I'm going to ask the most ridiculous questions to like four things because at the end of the day, he goes, if I don't ask, it's always a no. And I hear him all the time. He'll come up and he'll be like, Hey, can I have ice cream for dinner? And we're like, you're 15 years old. No, you can't have ice cream for dinner. You know better. And he's like, ha, you don't ask. It's always a no. And then he walks away. Like, it's literally his life motto. He'll say nonsense. He'll be like, like a blizzard outside. He's like, Hey, can I walk to the grocery store three miles away? It's like, no, you can't walk to the grocery store three miles away. He's like, ah, I want some sushi. If you don't ask, it's always a no. Walk down the room. It's like, this guy's so amazing quality. Like yeah. that's, you know, it's better that than saying you're sorry every five seconds mm-hmm. when somebody, you know, you bump into a door frame, you know, and it's, 100%. but people exist in that climate of constant hesitation. You know, we condition our bodies and we work to, to excel in our profession, but we live in these little goldfish bowls. And every time we hit the bowl, you know, oops, and we turn around and keep going around in that circle over and over and over. And I've never heard of it phrased this way, but I mean, it was applied to socialization back in the day when I was, you know, younger. Like the idea, it's like my brother went through something recently where uh, he became single after having been in a relationship from like 18 to 28, like literally. And he was obviously crushed by this transition in his life. He wouldn't be bothered by me sharing this. And we had a heart to heart. And I was like, you know, it's, you just have to keep putting yourself out there and not be afraid. Like keep saying hello to people and half the people you do actually say hello back, you're not actually going to want to continue that conversation. Stop assuming that a rejection is not necessarily a better path that you're not taking to guide you back to where you're supposed to be. And eventually you're going to build your confidence up and it's transformative. And I've never heard it called rejection therapy in that context, but that's a really cool kind of way to live your life and kind of gird yourself against that daily fear that we all have of like bumping into somebody in an elevator. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's fun. It's such a fun exercise too. You know, if you have a week where you just are feeling frisky, just go in and ask for something stupid that, you know, that people are going to say no to, you'd be surprised because for the most part, we, we as people want to help each other. So if there's something we can do to help you get what you want, then mm-hmm. most people are willing to do it. You know, yeah. of course, if you're like, can I have your car? Probably they're going to say no. Can but, I borrow your hey. phone is a popular one. Hey, can I borrow your phone? Right, real quick? right. I just make a call. I got to call my yeah. wife and just see yeah. what, how quickly they shrivel up. You know what I mean, and one of my favorite things to do that I used to do when I was a little younger was um, I would get into an elevator and I would face everyone and I would just wouldn't even necessarily say anything. I would just face the other way and just be like, hey, guys, and maybe like, man, isn't it fun when you jump up and it feels like you're floating for a second and half the people look at you like you're nuts. But then like that random person would be like, yeah, it's kind of fun. And they go up on their heels a little bit. And, you, know, you share a moment. You know what I mean? And then you yeah. go on the rest of your day and you're having a much better day because you just got out of your own way for a second. That's so fun. That yeah. Is, it's, it's all about, uh, you know, getting yourself out of your comfort zone and, mm-hmm. you know, just to tie it back to experiences that just only creates more experiences oh, yeah. for you and the people around you. I mean, I bet you everyone left that elevator being like, Hey, remember that weirdo who uh, turned <laughs> yeah. and jumped on that elevator? They told everyone. Yeah. Oh, they yeah. probably laughed about it later. He probably made their day too. I want to be a weirdo, whether I show people or not, I might as well allow myself to occasionally be chill and cool about it. So I think that's really fun. just as a, Look, as a thing. L- Live your authentic self, Peyton. Yeah, you know, I support you. it. 
I saw a YouTube video one time and this guy was walking around trying to buy people's dogs. Like he just had a suitcase of cash and he was like, Hey, will you sell me your dog for $20,000? And these people are like, uh, like very, I don't think any of them sold the dog, but like, it was just so crazy. It's kind of like that same, that same type of thing. It's so outlandish, but his whole thing was he wanted somebody to like pause for a second and be like, Oh my God. I mean, 20 grand uh, it, it, to me i've never seen my dog but like it was just so nuts that someone would even come up with that concept that i'm sure it's right in there and if you want to know an organization that is it, that is imparting this wisdom on the next generation of our society the girl scouts of america have got it on lock let me tell you they are hustling for those girl scout cookies i am a no type two diabetic i have no business eating girl scout cookies and yet i bought five boxes of girl scout cookies because these little girls are fearless they are fearless did you guys see that thing that was going viral where that guy was like, this little girl offered me one box or two boxes for $10 or four boxes for $20. And I said, that's not a deal. And she said, I didn't say it was. <laughs> <laughs> and he follows it up with, so I bought four boxes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love it. I love it. All right. Well, with that last one, because we're, we're running short on time here, the last question that I have for you, Sabrina, and if, if Peyton, you have one too, definitely jump in. What's an experience that you've had that you think is just too good not to share with our audience? Because you've lived a lot of life. You've had a ton of experiences. I've been the recipient of many of those stories. Does one come to mind that you can think of that might close us out here strong? Uh, it can be inspirational. It can be funny. It can be uh, a lesson. Whatever comes to mind. Ooh, what I, it's so hard to encapsulate my life in one story, you know, um, that the story I shared about that, that client was really, really a big one. Yeah. Um, you know, that I think was transformative for me in understanding that the work that I'm doing now not only has impact, but is also opening me up to other opportunities to change people's lives. So, so really I, I rest on that one that mm -hmm. that's, probably one of the most monumental moments of my life. Mm -hmm. I like it. Now you said earlier, and this will be my last question as well, is that ever since you were very young, that outreach and helping people and building that kind of network of connection was important to you. And I find in my interactions with people who are very self-driven from a young age, that that trajectory can branch off, but often kind of comes back around to where they want to land. But with that in mind, is there anything you've done in the last couple of years, maybe during quarantine that was outside the box or ever climbed a mountain, been up in a hot air balloon, gone scuba, like something you never thought you were going to do that because of the path you chose and the branches it took you on, you found yourself on a branch that was pretty random and cool and you took something from that you might not have expected. Yeah. So I went skydiving for my birthday cool. and this was a really interesting moment because I was, actually sitting down with my roommate and she was typing on her computer. I thought she was just working and she turns to me and is making casual conversation. You know, she asks me, so do you have any bucket list items? You know, you're turning 30 this year. What have you thought about doing? Do you have plans for your birthday? And so I started rattling off things. I said, you know, I've always wanted to go to Thailand. I might book a trip. I've always wanted to go skydiving couple other random things mm -hmm. and she keeps typing along and she's like oh yeah wait so 30 what what year were you born again and so i'm telling her oh 91 she's like okay yeah and oh yeah so um are you free for like brunch on the the seventh right before your birthday so i said yeah i can be free that day she's like okay cool i booked us for skydiving <laughs> 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 and I had so many thoughts going through my mind at that moment, yep. but really the one major thing was when she told me that I was not even a little bit scared. I had done so much work on myself to push so much fear aside that I realized, wow, I'm ready for this and I'm excited for this. And then the second part is that I don't know that I, I've ever had such fulfilling friendships mm. where this person who I've only known for less than a year just knew that I was ready for it and made it happen without me having to ask. So those two things really showed me that I've all the work that I've put into myself is now coming back to me and serving me tenfold. Mm -hmm. 
I actually, I jumped out of a plane on my 30th birthday also. Uh, nice. Similar story. Did not have a single friend who was willing to j- jump out. When you did it, was it the walk off the back of the plane or the tip out the side of the plane? The tip out. Yeah, I found that very disturbing. Strapped to like some angry Eastern <laughs> European man who was yelling at me and shoving a GoPro in my face. Like, look oh at the camera, gosh. look at the camera. Dude, <laughs> really these tip. guys were so fun. I yeah. It was me and my friend. We were the only two that were, you know, jumping tandem everyone else was jumping solo and we're holding hands in the plane as a joke and mm-hmm. then we look up and every single dude up there is holding hands too oh, and yeah. yep. we were making jokes up there and you know the guy who was uh, strapped to me mm-hmm. doing the jump tandem looks at me and he goes hey so you paid the extra fee for the parachute right Uh, (laughs) while we're in the air i mean it was it was hilarious but but (laughs) in that moment i knew because even during that i didn't have one nervous thought i just knew i was ready yeah that is awesome it's so crazy i don't think there's often that you would get three or four people together and all of them have jumped out of a plane as i on my 18 well not my 18th birthday but my best friend's 18th birthday he's a little bit younger than me we went for his birthday and jumped out and I did the tandem thing and it was uh, off out the side. And I just remember my experiences. I was like, oh, it's fine. Like, I'm 18. I'm not going to die. Like, this doesn't happen. You know, they figured they figured everything out. We're just like big kites. We're good. We got it. And uh, the, the, the like grown ass man in front of me was like waddling up to the door. And then he was like, nope, not going. And just started shouting. And the guy was like. Too late, buddy. We got somebody and shot his ass out the like we're just we're going. And then I wasn't afraid, and then I was afraid. Like, yeah. That dude, that dude was dying, and I was should going, I be dying. afraid? Yeah. Oh my god. And so if he had kept his cool, my experience would have been way better. Wow. But it was it was awesome. It was definitely. Well, look, I'm glad we all survived. I'm glad we all bounced back. It's a little bit better for it yeah. for sure. That's I it. think so too. Sabrina, this was awesome. Uh, I don't Thank take you. it lightly that you gave us your time. You obviously have big, big aspirations. You influence people in a very meaningful way regularly. And to give that to us and impart it to our viewers and our audience, um, that means a lot. And thank you for being our first interview. Uh, oh, thank Richard. you guys. This thank you guys great. so much. I, I, I can't tell you how excited I was to share even just a little bit of my story and then hopefully it'll have an impact on people as they're listening it was great i didn't know anything about you except that you seemed awesome on facebook and stuff and richard really liked you and i was super <laughs> pumped to get a chance to meet you and honestly you like you totally delivered you were so cool so thank oh you so yeah much. i'm i'm so glad peyton i know we we got to get together sometime definitely you know, actually Absolutely. get to know each other because uh, i think we you know, at first probably thought we didn't have a lot of similarities, but I, I felt like we uh, connected to you. Yeah. yeah, and I have another skydiving story I want to tell, but I'll save it for when we meet in person. It's super Good. dumb. <laughs> Can't wait. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much. All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back in a few weeks with another episode of Untold Riches. Until then, may you guys prosper, have an outstanding day, and we will talk very soon.